Welcome to this week's episode of Soccer Neophytes Podcast. In this episode, we're going to talk penalties to the elite, Raul Jimenez Code Red, Gerard returns in a different shade of red, trouble with Chelsea's D, Aubameyang out, and COVID outbreaks. Tim, how goes it, buddy? Hey, hey, going okay. You know, I thought by adding like contributors this year, I thought what that meant is like we'd have a fuller podcast and, you know, we'd at least have three people each week. But I think what it's done is actually given people just more excuses to bail. Seriously. I mean, I don't think I've missed a week yet, but these other guys, man, they're really bad. Yeah. Yeah. You've been, you've been, uh, you've been here every week. Every week that I have, every week I haven't been in Mexico. I've been on the pod for the most part. Yeah. For the most part. Well, I think I'm missing next week. So we'll all, we guys can cover for me next week. Uh, we almost always record during Monday night football. Uh, the Niners were on Monday night football a lot last year. And so Kyle and I would often like reference, (laughs) Niners games uh mid I remember that yeah but but this year uh the Cardinals tonight the Cardinals are hosting the Rams and that's where Chris is Kemi's also a huge Cardinals fan so he said his I'm doing air quotes daughter had a recital tonight but I think his daughter is Kyler Murray and her recital is throwing interceptions because uh he's done a couple (laughs) of those so ouch that's brutal ouch that's brutal but uh, in more important worldwide football news, uh, I thought we were done with COVID not, not, I mean, not really, but it felt like we were kind of past that from a sports standpoint, but man, COVID has reared its ugly head. Um, Tottenham Brighton was canceled over the weekend and now Brentford Manchester United was supposed to be tomorrow. And sounds like Brentford had an outbreak at their facility I heard uh, Aston Villa canceled training. They might have had an outbreak. Um, it's crazy. I mean, it seemed like the team team protocols were working or league protocols were working, right? We've It's been a – I can't remember. I mean, it's been a while since we've had cancellations. I guess what, Tottenham, did they have some as well? They've had some games. They're yeah, like well, Tottenham had two had, games in hand. Well, they had that snowed out game. So they just but had then, weird – but then they had another one. Was that COVID related? Yeah. This weekend was COVID yeah, related. Yeah. Um, I think they had an outbreak. I mean, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it has to do with uh, Europa. I mean, Brentford's not playing in Europe, but Tottenham was kind of, I guess you can call that <laughs> conference league or whatever it's called Europe. But um, uh-huh. yeah, I mean, you would expect this may be coming on the heels of an international break. I don't know. So uh, we'll see what that does. I mean, that's going to start making a real challenge for rescheduling Africa cup of nations is coming up. That's going to have teams with thinner, um, thinner rosters, Liverpool wolves are both going to be really affected by that. Yeah. As are, you know, a handful of other teams. 
So yeah, we'll have to stay tuned on that, but that's going to start backing up some of these fixtures as we're already entering into a heavy uh, fixture congestion to have games canceled and need to be rescheduled. That'll be quite, quite challenging. And obviously people's health matters more than like a good atmosphere, but it'll be such a bummer if we go back to playing behind closed doors. I mean, it's just like, to your point, like I thought we were past this, like we know COVID is still circulating. We know there's these new variants, but my goodness, like it's so good having fans there. And totally. I hope that they can continue to do that safely. One in Europe seems to be a precursor to the U S and we've got full stadiums for everything right now, you know, basketball, football, college football. I mean, we've had full stadiums for, for quite a long time. And so um, it'll be interesting to see what happens here in the States, but again, health is most important for these, for these players and staff and fans. And so hopefully uh, hopefully this is just a small blip and things get back to relative normal soon. But that is the absence of football. And we want to actually talk about football. We want to talk about soccer. And Tim, I'm a small, I'm a small club fan. One of the few of us out there. A, hum, a small, humble soccer fan. Just a small, humble soccer fan <laughs> choosing a small team from the West Midlands to steal my heart and uh and some of my money. But uh <laughs> There's definitely a conspiracy theory. I don't know if the stats back it up, but there's definitely a conspiracy theory that the big clubs get the penalties that smaller clubs don't get them. Bigger clubs get them. And this weekend, the four biggest clubs, the four clubs that uh, for a long time, we thought were clearly the top four and Manchester United is putting it back together, but city, Liverpool, Chelsea, and Manchester United, all four of those games were decided by penalties. And that is never lost on us small clubs, especially when we are the victims of one. And probably, in my opinion, the victims of the most egregious of the penalties. Now, I'll be interested to hear your opinion, um, yeah. whether it may not even been egregious at all. I think maybe it's probably clearly the most egregious because the other ones were felt more legit to me, but still, uh, yeah, yeah. definitely that is the feeling of us smaller market clubs. And so, um, yeah, I mean, maybe we even just start with the wolves one, um, well, I wonder, you... really quick, really quick, like just a, and I don't know what the numbers are either, but I wonder if even psychologically, like, I just think psychologically the difference between being, let's say a city or a Liverpool fan over the last three or four years, or, you know, yeah, probably three or four years, you're used to things going pretty well. And so when a penalty goes your way, it's not the like, it, it doesn't feel like the game changer that you're like counting on. It's just like, yeah, that seems right. Seems right yeah. that we would get it. You know what I mean? Um, and then if you're a smaller club, like not to say it's all misery, I don't think it's all misery, but like, and especially wolves are like mid table, but if you're a lower, lower table, you have so much heartbreak all the time totally. and that feels like yet another one. Right. Yeah. You feel, and it's like, it's not just, Oh, we were outplayed, but it was an injustice. Right. Totally. When it was a close call. So I wonder if even psychologically it like reinforces big club fans of big clubs don't notice if one goes their way, the one it shouldn't have. 
and fans of, of smaller teams be like, well, their information will be growing with like things not going their way and like looking for something to pin it to. Um, and maybe right. rightly so, but I wonder if just psychologically if some of that's happening on both well, sides. And probably um, contrary to, well, for sure, Chris, but contrary to maybe what most people believe, I really do try and be as objective as possible. Yeah, and so yeah. As I was trying to be objective, the other thing I was considering is the bigger clubs have better players. That's and true, if you yeah. have better players, there's m- more likelihood that the other team, the smaller team, Wolves, are going to be out of position or trying to perform. They're going to be a step behind. A, a, Making a, mis- a small mistakes. A small yeah. mistake or just being a split second behind means you kick Rudiger's foot and not the ball. And so as ticky-tack as that yeah. foul looks, right? Yeah. Like, is it because Chelsea's that much better? And so that, I think that could be another factor is, yes, the big clubs do get more penalties because they're just a split second faster and better. And that makes all the difference in those like finite moments. But yeah, but it did feel like it did feel like they were a little ticky tack. Um, the Rudiger one, I mean, it's like the edge of the box. It's not even a goal scoring opportunity. You like see it and you're like, seriously, that's a penalty. Like, okay, I can see how it's like could be a foul, but those type of fouls make you just feel like what what in the world, like how that decides a game, right? Like that totally points to Chelsea versus one and um, a team like wolves. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, um, I was only able, I didn't watch that whole game. I think it was on at the same time as the Liverpool game, if I'm not mistaken. And cause they cut to it at the very end when oh, yeah. ended, I, I think if I'm not mistaken, but um, Rudiger won two penalties in the game. Is that right? Yeah. Um, so I saw the one that was like in the 92nd minute. Is that the one you're talking about? That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Okay. I didn't, I wasn't able to see a highlight of the first one. Like the, the highlights I was watching, like jumped right to the penalty, but the one there, it was like, there may have like a little bit of contact on his ankle, but pretty good acting too. Cause he like lands on that same ankle and uses that same ankle to like let himself down onto the ground. So I'm like, if your ankle was clipped out from under you, you're probably not like landing squarely on that ankle. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how these things work, but it did seem a little suspect to me. So. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah. That's. And I mean, some probably other than the wolves one, I think they're all probably like letter of the law fouls, which I don't have a problem with. Like if it's a foul, it needs to be called a foul. Um, it's just, it just plays into the narrative, right? Yeah, totally. Um, I think, and we'll get, we'll get to the Allison one. Cause it's also yeah, yeah. not just the penalties, but it's also the, the non calls, the, the no calls, too. yeah. The non calls that, that are frustrating. I know Tim or Chris and I had that debate with the, the United match, uh, Wolves United earlier in the season, but yeah. Yeah. Um, we talk about the Wolves one, this Wolves city one. Yeah, the Wolf City one, and I'd love to know your opinion. You know, I'm I am for sure biased on this, but you know, it looks like the ball hits his lat and then bounces up on his arm. Yep. And 
the commentators and maybe on maybe then on his arm like it doesn't even to me it doesn't even look like it for sure hits his side and then maybe hit his arm yeah so that's just one of those things that's like so frustrating like and here's the other like deep conspiracy <laughs> the var referee is andre mariner who is a self-purported Villa fan. Uh, and so Wolves fans West like, Midlands. Oh. Wolves fans were like, oh, it's it's Mariner. He won't overturn this. Oh. <laughs> and sure enough. So, but but all that to say, I mean, it is, and it's so demoralizing for a team like yeah. Wolves, where you know, we have a great match against Liverpool last week, lose a heartbreaker, then to go down a man, which we'll get to later. Um and really just play such great defense and then to have a pretty suspect penalty called against you and it be the game decider, you know, it's, that's hard to swallow. Yeah. Yeah. It's a brutal one. And then the, 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 was the foul on Mo Salah in the Liverpool game? Yeah, so super confusing. We've got Mings and Ings at the center of these two controversies. I mean, yeah, whether they're controversies or not, I guess depends on on whether you're a Villa fan or not, but um, or whether you identify with big clubs or small clubs, maybe. But <laughs> yeah, should we should we get into those? I mean, yeah, let's do with it. With that one, I think it was pretty. I think with the Mings Solo one, it was pretty clearly the right call. I mean, like. If you watch the replay, Mings, I forget if it's his right arm or left arm. I think right arm. He's like, he sees Salah in a dangerous spot. He tracks him down. The first thing he does is to put his arm out, making contact there. And that doesn't work. And then he goes in with the right foot and then the left foot, like making contact with both feet on both ankles. And so it's like, I don't know how you can call it anything other than a foul in the box. I mean, it wasn't a hard foul. That and that's, I guess that's so that's my point. But I think yeah. is if it's if it's Sala on Mings, that so again just to play to the controversy. If it it's not such an egregious foul that it's clear, their yeah. feet get caught up. Yes, he puts his arm on them, but guys are putting their arms on people all the time. Yeah, I think it was the, it, none, Ronaldo, of, none of none of that looked like an honest attempt at the ball though. It was, I mean, well, the arms, yes, of course, like. I get the arms, but like guys are shouldering each other all the time. Like oh, for sure. tons of for contact sure. and the feet get tangled up and the ball, like it, again, this is me playing devil's advocate. It's probably a foul yeah. for sure, but I do, but and it's, it's in the like, box. It's not like the foul on uh, Ronaldo. Like Ronaldo gets like an arm right. around his neck and he gets dragged. Right, 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 like, right. That one's far more clear to me. This one, when yeah. their legs are tangled, again, I'm just playing devil's advocate. Is it a foul? Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a foul. But I do wonder, and I do ask the question, if it's the other way around, does it get called? I, and I, I wonder if that comes back to what you were saying a bit ago about like, pl- like really good players know that when you're in the box, you can't do the same things that you can do outside the box, right? Yeah. You can take that chance if you're outside the box, especially if you're away, like – away from dangerous free kick territory. And if it gets called, you may be upset about it, but life goes on and there's no real consequences. But like, I think really experienced players 
aren't putting their hands and feet all over other players in the box and not, and not expecting to have a penalty called. Yeah. And I, I actually, that brings up something I wanted to mention about the John Matinho handball. The biggest issue with that is his arms are in the air. Uh huh. His arms are at his side and it hits him. It actually would right. hit him more in the arm, but I, I bet they don't call it because but I, it, his arms jarring. are in an unnatural yeah. position. Right. And that's so what I looked think, jarring about it at first. This is arms. It was like, you can't have your arms there. Totally. And, right. But it totally. didn't hit them. And so I think that's yeah, some, if he had it at his side and it hit the side of his arm, then it's a natural position. And John Matinho's like world-class, like he's totally. not an inexperienced player and either is totally. Mings. Like, no. right? like Mings, Mings played a national a player game. for, he's a, and, he's a national player for England. Like, yeah, so, yeah. but it's a great player. It's, it's, it's begging the question. It's begging the question on both sides. Does Sala get the penalty if he does that to Mings in the box? And is Sala just that much better that Mings can't hang with him quite as much. Right. So, yeah. 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 But I, I mean, I do, I, I see that, but I do think letter of the law, it's a foul. It's in the yeah. box. Yeah. Penalty awarded. Mings but, can't have been that surprised when it, no, when, no, when I don't it was called so. that way. The bigger question then is the Allison one, like, and there's a whole bunch of stuff happening there. There is so much. There's happening. a lot happening like, there. There's bodies colliding all over the place and maybe even more so why something's not called. Totally. But, but what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So when it first happened, I was for sure holding my breath. I was ready for, for the, for the whistle to go over and look at, look at the screens and whatever, because it just, it looked awful, right? Yeah. Like, not not even awful like foul wise, just awful. Like, what is Allison doing? And he, yeah. we'll get into that when we talk about the Liverpool game. But like, it was not his best day, no. right? He was having some trouble out there. Um, but so I was holding my breath when I saw it. But like, I've since gone back and I've watched a bunch of different clips of it. I've heard what different pundits and like former referees or former officials have like have weighed in, and it really seems like a split. Like there doesn't seem like there's a consensus, right? Yeah. Which actually kind of surprises me. So you watch it back um, a bunch of times. And um, the first thing that I see is Ings all out, both hands, shoves Matip in, who collides with Allison right outside the box. So like, that's why Allison is then confused. And like the ball bounce, I think the ball bounces off his face and like all over the place. And then he's down on the ground and like, looking looking really miserable and pathetic but i think that's the first thing so we do know that var went and looked at it right because in the commentary they're like check is over there's no call on the play um and i wouldn't be surprised if that was it they saw that that ings had shoved like like recklessly and intentionally it wasn't like necessary it wasn't accidental it was like both arms shoving him and so I wouldn't be surprised if they saw that and they're like, well, that's a foul right outside the box. And anything that happens after that is like irrelevant. Yeah. Um, but either way, so Allison's like on the ground, his feet are out from under him and he does the like swipe with his arm and you see Ming, you see Ings go down. Sorry, I said it Mings. Yeah. You see Ings go down and that's the part where I was holding my breath, right? Cause you see Allison swipe with his arm, you see him go down and you know that if he's making contact with his ankles, that's a foul, right? Yep. Uh, even though and maybe Allison, even a red Allison, card, right? Like that's the other thing is potentially an obvious goal scoring opportunity. Yeah. Um, so I'll, Allison obviously has every right to go for the ball with his hands in that spot. And it I looked, think he it does. Looked, 
he does it hit looked the ball, awkward though, right and that's it and that's, that's it. the difference he hits the ball before so like there's a zoomed in zoomed in shot that i found and you can yep. see yeah the hand on the ball this is with it still in the air before it's hit the ground yeah the hand on the ball and ings's foot maybe on the ball or about to hit the ball so then any contact that happens after that allison has already hit the ball so to yep. me that's why i'm surprised that there's even controversy now i mean i, I can imagine i don't in the think moment, there really is i think it's all the perception of it the perception of yeah. it if you watch the play a couple times even just a couple quick times in real speed, it looks bad. It does. But but if you then take some time to really analyze it, it's not as bad as it looks. The Ings shove and the Allison hand on the ball, I think is, yeah, that's yeah, pretty clear. But there are way more important things than just that, right? You have yes, Gerard's return to Anfield, Tim. How, how, how did that make you feel? I loved it. So, I mean, I first started watching Liverpool 2013. So out, uh, so Gerard had, I think that that season and one more after it, um, that was the season where he had his famous slip, uh, at, at the end of the season yeah. that cost them the title. So that was like, I, I like started following Liverpool right at the very end of his captaincy. So for sure I knew about him as a legend, but I didn't get to watch him a ton but I've kind of followed him a bit, his manager, his managing in Scotland with uh, Rangers. And it's kind of been like rumored that like once Klopp's out, whenever that happens, may it be many, many years from now, um, Gerard would be a natural like guy to take that role. Cause it's a pretty iconic role to be like a longtime captain of Liverpool who, ha- who wants to be a manager. And I think is wired like a manager yep. um, to come back and take that role. I think it would be pretty meaningful. So captains like in very- general, captains in general seem to be wired that way. Right. Like yeah, yep. captains. It, well, we'll talk about Obama later, but, uh, <laughs> but a not, lot all, of cap- not all captains, a lot of captains. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, So, but I know he's been very clear and it makes sense that he would want to say like, I don't want anybody to think that I get that future job someday handed to me having not earned it. And so. Not like other um, managers who wear a a different color, Lampard. (laughs) Lampard. That's right. Um, Anyway. So, so anyway, I'm so happy that he's in the Premier League. I'm happy for Aston Villa. Like, when Liverpool's not playing them, I'm going to be rooting for them. Right. And I'm going to watch Villa games more than I would have otherwise and whatever. So it was great to see him get a really good reception. Like when he walked out, it was nothing but cheers. I was really proud to see the fans doing that. And actually to that point, when Ings came on, he got a big round of applause because he's a former Liverpool striker. Oh yeah. Um, And so I don't know. I just like seeing that. That's like, kind of like, we know it's a business. We, we know guys move on and play or manage different clubs, but like if they've meant something to you to like, let them hear that. So Wolves booed Jota. Just I, so. I noticed, I noticed. <laughs> he wasn't there long. Um, he Jota wasn't there was... long enough to become a legend. No, he wasn't a legend. Anyway. Well, I can't say Ings was a Liverpool legend necessarily, but True. <laughs> he was there for a while. Anyway. Um, should we get into the game? Yeah. A bit? So yeah, um, I'll go kind of quick, but like, so first half, just, just a lot of uncharacteristic defensive mistakes. Like Van Dyke got a yellow right outside the box. He's one of those guys 
thinking defensively, like what Mings would do. Like, I was like, Van Dyke would never do that inside the box. Right. Like he's going to go decisively for the ball and, and the striker may tumble, but it's clean. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And um, so Van Dyke getting that yellow right outside the box in a dangerous spot didn't, wasn't normal. And then Allison had a couple other miscalculations pretty early on in the game. We haven't even talked about that could have been costly. Um, I would still say Liverpool looked like the better side in the first half. So then in the second half, um, obviously we talked about the Salah penalty around minute 65. Um, And then pretty soon after that, Liverpool just goes into like slow motion mode, a lot of defensive passing. And I was like, man, there's a lot of game left to play. Are you just going to do this the whole time? And pretty quickly, like late seventies, early eighties minutes, it got really nervy. It got like, I was just, one of the notes I wrote down during the game is like not comfortable. Like I was not comfortable at all during this game. It was too close and Liverpool were making some of those unforced errors. And it was just like, it was too close. So um, Salah had a breakaway. He should have scored in the 82nd minute. So I don't think it's any coincidence. Like those game changes, like at minute 65, the, the goal early seventies, some of this time-wasting stuff, late seventies, early eighties, just very nervy. Solomon is an opportunity. And it's pretty quickly after that, that the Allison thing happens. So it was just a chaotic, weird um, bit of play. But anyway, Liverpool had two to three breakaways in the game that they couldn't convert. I think like one way of looking at the game is like, it could have been four nil, but then again, it could have been like four, two or four, three, you know, with, with, with the mistakes that, that Liverpool made and the way Villa was playing. Villa played really well and they looked like they were ready to take advantage of any sort of slip up. So, um, so I'm glad to get the three points. Um, kudos to Villa for a really well-played game. Um, I think, I think Gerard can walk away with his head high, right? He was a really good showing coming back to Anfield. So um, yeah, wild game. Villa is a great squad. I mean, I think if I think Gerard's in the perfect spot, especially if he is going to make the leap. We talked about this last week, um, Chris and I, but you know, if he's going to make the leap to Liverpool at some point, what a better place to be. There's, I don't know if there's a better place to be with, it is a talented squad, but he gets to try his chops in the premier league. And if he has some good to moderate to decent success, totally, maybe he'll make that leap. So he was linked earlier in the fall with Newcastle. I don't know if you remember that, like some people speculating because yeah. it was like, it seemed like he was ready to enter the Premier League. And I'm, I'm so glad it's not Newcastle just because there'd be so much tied to that of like petrodollars and whatever. Like, I'm so glad Villa is, has a little bit of more of a, just a neutral like reputation, I guess, apart from Wolves fans, Liverpool has a neutral or uh, Villa has a neutral reputation they do that yeah no i get that um for chris's sake i did want to mention manchester united but not for chris's sake Uh, i did want to say that it did seem that they got outplayed actually in that game there were some Mm. and de gea was out of control we'll talk about that a little later on too but he made some remarkable saves um and uh, really saved them. I mean, it seemed like Norwich had the better opportunities. Um, and again, like if you're a Norwich fan, you probably feel a lot like wolves right now. Like, yeah. Except for the fact that the, the penalty was far more egregious in Norwich 
the headlock yeah. chokehold uh, takedown of Ronaldo <laughs> in the box. But, but still, as far as like how you played, feeling like you really could have gotten an equalizer um, in there. So, which Norwich hasn't. Maybe they're a lot like Wolves in that they haven't scored a lot anyways this season. So anytime yeah. you're able to make that type of a showing, they should be holding their head up high. And they seem they really do seem to be playing better, um, which makes that relegation battle that much more interesting. Watford yeah. has kind of regressed. Southampton's regressing a little bit. Burnley Newcastle got Newcastle got their first win what a week ago. Yeah, but then they got stomped this weekend by yeah, Leicester. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's Burnley's got a couple games in hand, I think one or two games in hand. So that, that bottom is still, there's a lot that'll shake out. And I, we've talked about that a lot. I think the top three is going to be fascinating, but that relegation zone, there's a lot of like bad teams (laughs) and, you know, probably how they play against each other is going to be the deciding factor for a lot of them. So who can get yeah. wins when they play each other out of that bottom kind of five? Yeah. Wins? A three points here and there, no matter who it's against at, at that point makes such a big difference down there. Yeah. I mean, I think the bottom three have 10 right now. And so uh, with that being the case, you know, three points is massive. <laughs> it's a third, oh, it's right. almost a third of your point. So um, oh, I guess Burnley, Burnley has 11. So uh, cause they had a, they got a draw this weekend, I think against West Ham. So that's a great, that's a great point for them. So, and they, and as you said, they've got a game in hand. Yeah. Um, out of the top three teams though, the team that to me is like the shakiest is Chelsea. Mm-hmm. Chelsea wins three to two again on a very suspect uh, penalty in my opinion, maybe a penalty, but yeah. ticky tack felt a little ticky tack, um, saved by that to get three points, which keeps them right in the mix with, with Liverpool and city. Um, but they have given up eight goals in the past seven days, including their, uh, champions league match, which was a late a late goal gave them a draw, which actually cost me like 50 bucks in a bet I had. Um, but, but eight goals in the past seven days, that's three matches, two premier league matches. And then that champions league match, they'd only given up eight goals in the previous 18 matches. Holy cow. So I don't, I don't know what's happening there with Chelsea giving up goals is the one thing that they weren't doing right yeah. that was until what four or five games ago because that's looking at the last five they've they've given up they've a goal won, they've, the last won five. Two, they've won three drawn one and i mean so that's still not like bad form if you just look at the results but um but the, giving up those goals that's got to be really concerning for them yeah i yeah they're because not they a, still don't have any prolific goal, goal scorers i mean they really don't. My, Lukaku, my, my guy, Lukaku, hasn't materialized. That guy uh, showed up for the first couple of matches and then has just disappeared. Lukaku, yeah. Pulisic's not even playing really that much. Um, Werner, Havertz. I mean, they're just... But, I yeah. mean, they're still... They won. They got the, they got the victory. They got the three points, but um, shaky. 
uh, I, we, we referenced this earlier, but Aubameyang, not even on the squad this weekend, wasn't even on the team sheet. Apparently he was late to a team meeting. It's the second time that's happened under Arteta. I, and I love this about Arteta, man. I remember, mm-hmm. I remember hearing about this in the spring when it happened, he's just like, everyone's treated the same. If you're late to a meeting, you miss the game The yeah. post-match interview, they tried to press him on it. And he was like, I'm not answering the question. I've already talked about it. Like, especially coming off a great win for them. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, they, they dominated that match and right. I mean, deservedly. So he should have been talking about the match. You don't want your star who you've just punished taking all of that uh, attention away from a great team effort. Right. Um, especially when they're playing so well. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with the bombing. He hasn't really played well this season. Um, they've played fine without him showing up. Um, the question that I loved that the commentator asked or the interviewer asked that, and it makes sense why you wouldn't ask it, but the question was, is he still your captain? Like, can you right. keep giving him the captaincy? Like, what do you think in that situation? What do you do, Tim? If you're the manager of Arsenal, uh, do you give, do you continue to give uh, Aubameyang the captaincy? He doesn't seem to have the, like, the temperament or the, or the will or desire to be the captain, but he's, but it's also such a young, it's a, it's a talented squad, but it's a young squad. Yeah. And generally the captain, from what I, from what I've seen, generally the captain is not like super young. It takes some poise. It takes some experience. It takes a lot of intelligence, right. To be the captain and um, intelligence, like understanding the game, but then also just character to like lead people and the confidence to lead people. And so I don't know who would be next, who would be like next up as like, as your captain, but uh, I have to believe it. Some of it is just like, because Aubameyang has been a star for them. And because he's one of the like veterans, one of the few veterans on the squad that he's their, their go-to guy. But I mean, I was just thinking like, I think there are some clubs, you know, I think you, you pointed out Arteta's not this guy, but I think there are some clubs where you expect the superstars to kind of show up late to meetings and yeah. no, no one outside the team ever hears about that and they're not missing games. Um, but I think because he's the captain all the more, yeah. Like you just can't, you just can't be having that. And with a young squad, I think even more exactly. so like the whole dynamic, like what Arteta's is doing there is really, is really smart leadership. If yeah. you're going to let the superstar get away, you don't, I mean, who's the, you've got four or five guys on that club, Sokka, Emil Smith Rowe, um, Odegaard, Odegaard Tomiyasu, you've got uh, Gabriel, you've got a, quite a handful of guys who are young superstars in the making. And if you think outside of the sport, even outside of your own job, like this, the security of your own job, and you're thinking, how do I lead young men? <laughs> right. Yeah. Like yeah. You, you have to bench a bombing you have to make, make an, ex- not an example. You just have to hold to the rules and let these young men see like, Oh, wow. Even though a not, outside of the the rules so i love it arteta when he did it in march i think it was i gained a lot of respect and 
even more so now. I think he's he seems to be a great leader. It 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 I agree. And it, it does make you wonder though, like, you know, we know that that Aubameyang has done this once before, but I also wonder like what's what have things been like between those incidents, right? Like he's not performing well. And you I mean, it's hard not to think of like Harry Kane, who is unhappy at Tottenham and is yep. not playing well. Like these are people, right? So it's like whether it's something in Aubameyang's personal life or it's just he's he's feeling on edge or unhappy or fr- he's frustrated with himself and he overthinks things and whatever, like it just doesn't seem like things are clicking in any way, right? And so I, I don't know if like this could this could be like an underlying attitude problem that that goes beyond. We have no way of knowing that, right? Because I think yeah. clubs rightly keep that stuff really close. Um, but yeah, you do just kind of wonder, right. When it's like disciplinary stuff and poor performance, just like what's going on there, you know, and, and, and how much longer will he be at Arsenal? Right. Totally. I think that's the bigger question. I can't imagine, especially if they keep performing well, yeah, they could get a huge fee for him and why not? Like, why not? And he could do really well somewhere else. We've seen that before with players. Totally. Um, and Lacazette was the one who took the captain's armband. And no, that's true. Yeah, he's another he's, veteran. He can do that. I, I mean, if you'd have asked me six months ago who would be at Arsenal longer, Lacazette or Aubameyang, I thought Lacazette was on his way out. He wasn't playing totally. very much. Totally. And now, I mean, they still could be both gone, but uh, I see at this point, I would say Aubameyang will be out before before Lacazette. Yeah. I did see, uh, I saw some tweets. It's also worth mentioning with this, that Amazon is doing their documentary uh, all or nothing on Arsenal this season. Oh, I didn't know that. And so there were some memes of like, or of Amazon execs, like giddy about this, like, (laughs) oh man, must watch television, depending, right. Depending on what they caught. Right. But yeah, Titus is going to be so excited. (laughs) See all the inside out have to censor some of the language. I'm sure, but he'll love it. Sure. Yeah. That'll be fun. I look forward to watching that. I, I've said it before on the pod. I'm not as a club. When I think of Arsenal as the club, I really have a lot of like dislike when I think of like this major, one of the most storied clubs And you know, again, this is my personality. Um, But, but when I think of the players, I think of Arteta, I, and obviously my son loves them. So I've got this like yeah. real affinity towards this club. So I, that, that all or nothing will be really fun. I look yeah, it will be. A couple other, or one other thing I just wanted to note, Southampton's goalie was Willie Caballero from Argentina, 40 years old. No way. 40. I'm 40. No up. wonder they scored three goals. Dude, I couldn't imagine being in the, in a <laughs> keeper. I mean, I'm older no than 40, way. but geez, 40 years old. That's... He doesn't look bad for 40. No, I mean, he's pr- playing in the Premier League, so he's got to be. <laughs> That's true. Who was it? Was it didn't? Wasn't there a keeper for City last year who played in one of the like cup games? Like their third guy behind Stefan. I think he was like 40. Yeah, yeah, was he was. That? Yeah, because I think we commented on it that there's some rule that to win a medal or to get a trophy, you have to have featured or to get. Yeah, there was something about that, and this guy's kind of veteran older keeper who um they wanted to get him get him some minutes yeah yeah but 
And speaking of keepers, I guess we should talk about Aaron Ramsdale just really briefly. He, there was all these jokes when Arsenal signed Ramsdale because the last two yeah. clubs Ramsdale has played for have been relegated. I think Bournemouth and I forget who else uh, he had he had played for, but so an Arsenal at that point was you know, in the relegation zone. And so there's a ton of jokes like, Oh, they brought in Ramsdale to lead them, uh, <laughs> lead them down. But in, in 13 appearances this season, he has seven clean sheets. Oh, um, so good. Is that, Oh, Sheffield United. Yeah. So it was Bournemouth oh, uh, man. a few years ago and then uh, Sheffield United last year. So it's impressive to be able to see that the talent in a guy on a team like Sheffield totally. who shipped away so many goals last season. And to say, oh, he this this guy and this this guy allowed so many goals, but they weren't his fault. <laughs> let's bring yeah. him in. Yeah, let's bring him in. Totally. Well, let's talk wolves real quick. Uh let's do it. Before we talk about the game, uh I tweeted this out midweek, but uh Raul Jimenez, which the irony is just too much to handle but Raul Jimenez code red the wolves produced documentary about uh Raul's head injury last season just came out the full full documentary 50 minutes it's really amazing um you know especially for those of us as wolves fans who were watching the match and the confusion and the the nerves and really not know. I mean, you don't think someone's going to die on the pitch. So you kind of just assume, okay, he's in bad shape, but he'll be fine. But then to have this curtain peeled back. And when we found out later, you know, it's this traumatic head injury and you saw him knocked out. And I heard the sound when it happened, like it was clearly horrible. Um, but then to hear like Nuno, Nuno's like crying the entire like document, his interview is basically crying oh, wow. all the time. Um, or to hear, uh, Connor Cody talk about like the sound and not seeing him move and the like wondering what's going on and the interviews of his family. It's real, it's beautiful. It's a great story. Um, it's really well done. And that, that was done in-house by wolves, like pretty impressive, like what they did. And it's a great story. So if you get a minute, look it up on YouTube, uh, watch it, not a minute, you need 50 minutes, but <laughs> if you get 50 minutes, it's worth watching, but I see it. Uh, Raul Jimenez code red it could also be the name of this match. Uh, Raul at the end of the half uh, gets a yellow in for really, I think again, kind of a ticky tack yellow, like, yeah, he, I don't know. It just, unless who, he who was it on, I, I missed who it was Cancelo, on. I think someone in on Cancelo, but it, it was just, unless there had been some other things that had happened in the match previously that the ref had warned Raul about, which I didn't notice, but it seemed like a ticky tack yellow at the time. And then he just makes such a bonehead move. He denies a quick uh, penalty, like penalty kick or, a, uh, you know, uh, a kick after, after a penalty. And that's automatic yellow. Like that's just the rules of the game. So he gets two yellows within 30 seconds essentially and gets sent off and you could just see it. He knew how dumb it was. Like he just sat there hands in his head. Like it was such a rash, like boneheaded mistake. He knew it. He like 
throws his headband down and kind of covers his face. Like you can just see the embarrassment and yeah. the realization of like what, it, what he's cost his team. Like yeah. Yeah. you're taking one of the best teams in the world, nil nil at halftime. Yeah. You haven't really created many chances, but you just played this great match against Liverpool the week prior. Like he went toe to toe with Liverpool. You're going toe to toe with city. Yeah. yeah. So and then knowing that he, now he's going to miss the Brighton match. I mean, it's just, yeah. it's, it's a horrible mistake. Um, we've already talked about the Giamatino thing. Um, what it felt like to me is bullies who are like stronger picking on the weaker kid, picking, picking, picking on the weaker kid until the weaker kid snaps and then gets caught. For it, <laughs> right. Like that's kind of how it felt like wolves are out, like, City is a better team player to player than Wolves. There's no doubt about it. Wolves have had their number a couple of times over the last few seasons since I've been a fan, which has been really fun, but it's just true. Right. And so that's kind of what it felt like the bullies picking on the weaker kid until the weaker kid snaps. And then it's like, yeah, you got caught. Sorry. But Wolves defense was remarkable. They have played so stinking good. Uh, Max Kilman, Connor Cody uh, have just been so solid. Roman Sice in the back as well. I mean, they've just, we talked about Ryan Nuri during the Liverpool match. He really like neutralized uh, Mo Salah. Um, he played great again. Samedo has been solid. The, the back three plus the wing backs have been so good. And then the offense is just non-existent. And it's crazy, like just, how toothless wolves are, um, on the attack. Um, especially with the strength of our team really, or the place where we have the most options is up front. Um, but I think we have, I didn't look this up, but we have five one nil losses this Ooh, season against the best. Rough. Like that's the thing though, right? Like one nil to United, one nil to Spurs, one nil to Leicester, one nil to Liverpool, one nil to city. So the, on the flip side, it also feels like, hey, we are close. We are. It does feel like wolves are close. Um, that whether we deserve to be in Europe or not remains to be seen. But but we can play the top squads really great. And I have a lot of optimism for what's to come, and we'll see. So, shout out to Co- Connor Cody that that clearance off the that header clearance off the line. I mean, that was a that was a sure goal and oh, he yeah. just seemed so poised and back to back weeks. He took one in the nuts last yeah, week. That's he right. Took Jata. <laughs> he took the Jata shot off. The, off this the one was a little more elegant. This one was this, more elegant. Yeah. <laughs> the Wolves fan cast uh, was, they were talking about who, what I think it was a fan question was who will get, is there anyone on the current club who will get a statue in front of the stadium? And they were talking about different guys. They were talking about Cody and they were saying that they should, they should put that in bronze. The ball just hitting him in the junk. Oh man. They're like, if we would have won that game, uh, it might've been, uh, it might've been up there. <laughs> well, let's move on. Obviously uh, we've just talked about the only red card. Raul Jimenez double yellow. Very stupid. Um, as far as American watch goes, uh, Sergeant played. <laughs> Sergeant continues to be 
the least known player in the Premier League. Like, like literally, I just look, I have to look to see, did Josh Sargent play this week? Because <laughs> he's never in the highlights. I, I need to do a deeper dive into his stats. Like, I don't know how many shots he has. I don't even know how many shots he has on target. It can't be. I would be shocked if he has more than double digits shots. And I'd be shocked if he has more than like three on target. So uh, Pulisic didn't play uh, this weekend. So uh, not much to, to report on American watch. Um, goal of the week. To me, it seemed pretty clear. Um, the Connor Gallagher strike from distance dips into the right-hand corner was just, was just remarkable. He had a, he had a brace this weekend, two goals for crystal palace. Um, he's a star. I forget. I think, do you know, I think he might be on loan from Chelsea. Does that sound right? I don't know. I think he's on loan from Chelsea, which is such, yeah, I see him in a Chelsea kit here. So what a bummer for Crystal Palace. I don't know if they'll ever be able to, to sign him, but uh, they should definitely enjoy uh, him while they have him. He's, he's a pleasure to watch and, and it's quickly becoming one of, one of my favorite players in the Premier League. And that goal is, was remarkable. For sure. Save of the week. I have, uh, I don't know, either one of De Gea's. He had a couple of great ones that yeah. he tipped the Pookie one over over the the goal. And then I don't know who took the other strike, but the one where he's just full extension, palms it out, um, smacks it away. Just just great. Give it to him. Give him the award. And then for celebration of the week, uh, James Madison and Tillman's, Yuri Tillman's had this like, coordinated knee slide i don't know if it was coordinated but they were both sliding side by side i think madison i think tealman's had his hand over his face and madison had his arms out wide it was just a thing of beauty it was great i love i love the knee slide the coordinated duel knee slide was was beautiful you like it when, when Leicester's playing well and they have oh. reasons to celebrate. The Premier League is that much happier of a place. I mean, Vardy's celebrations are always great. So oh, he's such a he's such a trash talker. Vardy's like one of my favorites. I think it, yeah. he had and the funny thing is, is like there's certain players that I can't stand them because of the way they abuse wolves. <laughs> but Vardy's Vardy's wolf howl is like a great celebration. <laughs> he wolf howled, I think. I think he scored the winner this year. I feel like it was this year. I think he scored the winner against wolves earlier in the season and he howled like a wolf and he's just, it's, he's great. It's true though. Lester, gosh, I watching that high. I didn't see the match, but watching the highlights, I just, I love that squad. I love those players. They deserve, I don't know. I don't know if they deserve it, but I want to see them higher, higher in the table than where they're at now. And they're climbing. I mean, they, uh, they're not that far out of Europe right now. Really? Where are they? I thought they were still a little ways thought, out. Aren't they eighth? I don't think they're that high. Where are they? Yeah, they're in eighth. Oh, wow. I didn't realize that. Just ahead well, of Wolves. Just ahead of Wolves. Wolves free fall. Gosh, I don't know. 
I don't know where we're <laughs> going to finish up at the end of December, but hoping we can get a couple points. Uh, well, that's good. I'm glad Lester's back up there where they belong. Agreed. Lock it in review. Um, I picked Arsenal over Southampton. Got that right to move to 12 and three. Tim, you took Liverpool over Villa. You got that at 11 and four. Chris took Chelsea over Leeds. He got that. He's up to seven and eight. He's almost at the 500 spot. And Kemi, who just throws stuff out there without knowing, I think. He took Southampton over Arsenal, and he drops to five and ten. Speaking of Kemi, he has the first pick every week, and it seems like he doesn't care about that. So Chris should be doing far better with his picks because he really has the first pick. Kemi this week. Kemi has at least one, I think, is a reasonable pick, but he took he's yeah. taking West Ham over Arsenal in the midweek match. And then he is taking Wolves over Chelsea over the weekend, which as much as I want to believe that will play out, I don't think it's going to. Uh, Chris, Chris is taking City over Leeds during the week and then Liverpool over Tottenham over the weekend. And Tim, who have you got? I've got Chelsea over Everton, Chelsea over Neverton, and then um, United over Brighton. Though that one pains me because I like Brighton about mm. a million times more than I like United. No, that's a, that's a good pick. Um, speaking of Neverton, they are in 14th place. They are, I think they've won one of their last 11 matches, 10 matches. They are, they're, they're just in bad, they're in bad shape. So um it'll be interesting to see what happens with them and what a, what a mess they're in. They had high hopes with Rafa, but this is not going well. No, this is not, uh, this is not what they, what they expected. Um, <laughs> I am left with the dregs of these picks. And after painstakingly <laughs> scouring through what was left of me for this weekend, I am taking <laughs> You can't pick against a relegated team, but you can choose a relegated team. And so I am taking Burnley wow. over Watford, which wow. I actually don't think that that's bad of a pick. Burnley has drawn with Wolves and West Ham in their last few matches. And Watford is in a free fall. So I'm going Burnley to defeat Watford. I think I think Burnley's at home. So uh but let me actually see if that's true. They are, yeah. Burnley's at home. It feel it felt like out of what was left to me, it felt like a good it felt like a good pick based on If you're uh, yeah, if you're going to pick a relegation team to beat a non-relegation team, this scenario could not be more um appropriate than this. Although although when when I say Burnley's on a good run of form, <laughs> they they have drawn four of their last five matches, but they drew with Chelsea, Crystal Palace, Wolves, and West Ham. But their but their losses to Newcastle. So, I mean, I don't know. I was, was not left with much else. 
Um, and then over the weekend, I'm taking Brentford over Southampton. So, gosh, I don't have much. The fact that I'm choosing Burnley and Brentford for my locks shows that uh, there are some tough pick, tough picks. By next week at this time, there's a chance that I will have taken the lead. That there, maybe more than a chance. Uh, <laughs> I would even say a likelihood, a likelihood that you have taken the lead, but. I will not be here next week. Um, maybe. I'm pretty sure I won't. Chris will be taking the reins. Kemi says he'll be back. We're hopeful for that. Good to get some neophyte thoughts back on here. Tim, you'll be on. Yep. Um, so with that being said, Tim, any last thoughts? I don't have any strong opinions on the Glazers, so I don't know what the uh, outro is. See you later. <laughs> Bye. Just out. Adios. Adios.